Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts, Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And how's everybody doing? Happy, uh, cool weather season. Freezing cold <laughs> up north. Those of you uh, <coughs> suffering through some of the uh, the cold blasts. We we don't get cold blasts here. We get uh, maybe down to 50, 53. That is a cold blast for most people that's, down that's here. A, that's a very cold blast. <laughs> but it's warmed up again and uh, in the 80s during the day. It gets down to low 70s at night. It's really beautiful. And uh, we're enjoying it. Are you rubbing it in for these people? No, not really. Not really. I just just know that we got a lot of people that come down to play in Florida, and I want to talk about a couple upcoming tournaments over the holidays. Uh, We just finished the uh, Rock and Roll Poker Open, and I got a big report uh, on that uh, as part of the show tonight. Uh, Main event and high roller, some big-name players, and uh, Jason Mercier was kind enough to give us a few minutes, and we're going to hit that interview uh, in a little bit with him as well. It was during the 25K high roller. They were down to 11 players, and uh, uh, as a spoiler, I'll just tell you he finished fourth. So he didn't win it, but uh, it was uh, a great performance. And, uh, you know, he, as he told us in the interview, the first time he had played in two and a half months. Yeah, I mean, you know, his life has taken... It's not just singular now with Poker and Natasha, you know, as a, as a couple and then getting married. Now they got a family and, you know, life changes as it did for me when I used to play four or five times a week. Well, if you've been wondering what he's been doing and uh, where he's been and uh, what his family life is like now that uh, he has two children, we uh, we talked a little bit about some of that with him and how it's affecting his life. So we hope you'll stick around and enjoy that as well. But he did get a chance to play that. He did not play the main but um, the main event uh, actually went down uh, with six players I had not heard of, and eventually a, a player from Bulgaria was the winner. So we'll get to some of those results in just a minute. Uh, World Series of Poker Circuit is in action right now in uh, North Carolina at the Cherokee Resort. There's just uh, three players left. Ryan Jones just got knocked out. Kyle Cartwright, who has a lot of circuit rings, finished in sixth place. And one of our all-time favorites, Ken Aldridge who uh, remember went head-to-head with uh, Will the Thrill years ago in that L.A. tournament. Always wears yellow, bright yellow uh, hats and jackets. He uh, got knocked out in eighth place, but they call him Teach. But he's been one of my favorite interviews uh, whenever he shows up down here for a tournament. So uh, three players left, including a woman. Hannah Guthrie is the chip leader. She has 12.3 million chips. Eric Gorman, 11.1, and Michael Kassam. Has 9.2. They're finishing up there, and then uh, big schedule coming up in uh, the circuit over the holidays. I uh, got a story. If we get to it tonight, uh, Maurice Hawkins uh, sounded off a little bit about some ways he thought that they could uh, improve their product. Okay. So we'll see if we get a chance to get to that tonight. But uh, um, circuit uh, will be back here back in fe- in, in February with the uh, Coconut Creek tournament. And there's a few others that I want to talk about in just a bit, a little bit. That uh, the, the reason I do it is not to think that everybody wants to hear about Florida poker. But let's face it, over the holidays, a lot of people have family down here, come down here, uh, may not know what's going on in the area. So a couple of, of uh, smaller series, one at the Hard Rock, one at the West Palm Beach Kennel Club, Palm Beach Kennel Club. And, uh, you know, you can kind of turn your, uh, maybe turn your trip around with a nice little... Uh, Small tournament win. Yeah, exactly. You have some fun, enjoy the sun, and have some fun at the poker table. Exactly, and one of the tur- the tournament the Hard Rock is in fact called the Fun in the Sun uh, tournament with uh, like six events. So we'll get to that schedule in just a little bit as well. Uh, Want to stop and talk a little bit about the dealer chick as well. Maybe we'll work something in tonight. We uh, really enjoy her stories and pass those along when we get a chance. So Absolutely. Uh, coming up on the uh, WSOP circuit next is the, the tournament at the Bicycle Casino in Los Angeles. And then right before the Christmas holidays, there's two events. The uh, tournament at uh, IP Biloxi and one at Harrah's in Vegas, and then uh, they'll take a couple of weeks off until Choctaw Durant starts off 2020. Sounds sounds like it never stops, huh? It is. It doesn't stop, and uh, it, that's the amazing thing I find by doing this show 
is, uh, you know, we always had these huge events, you know, maybe every couple of months. Now there's just one right after another, and, uh, you know, there's always ways for people to make their mark in this in this uh, business. And they do, Dave. They definitely have a chance to make their mark in this industry, and we've discussed over the years the saturation of it. Will it get to be too many tournaments and stuff like that? And although we haven't hit that point yet, you know, a lot of the guarantees have to go way down because <laughs> people have a lot more, you know, have multiple choices of to where to go to play tournaments just about every single week of the year. Yeah, no and, question. And, you know, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. And um, I don't know. I, I I believe that, you know, as always, the strong will survive and you'll have to go about maybe – you know, having the different circuit events, like where you're having, you know, lower buy-ins of something like of a hundred and change up to a max of five or six, seven hundred dollars. Then having these bigger tournaments, they're incorpor- they're incorporating some of that with some of these tournaments now, where they have a bigger buy-in. But um, I don't know the the fields continue it, it still amazes bigger, me bigger, yeah. yeah it still amazes me well you've put together tournaments you've uh, you've been a tournament director you've been a poker room manager and you kind of decide and a lot of rooms like you've been involved in really didn't do too many tournaments because you concentrate on the cash games that's really where the money is and if you could fit some in uh, maybe draw some new players to room to see it and that sort of thing but uh, I'm sure you're aware of having been involved in that uh, tournament down in Aruba how much work is involved, uh, and this is not an easy, quick answer, but uh, setting up a tournament, laying out all the structures, all the events, making sure you have all the dealers ready to work on the big days, and, and trying to really anticipate ahead what's going to happen several uh, jumps ahead. Well, I, I wish I could answer that in saying like what they do at the World Series of Poker is just amazing, yeah. how they have that you know coordinated. It's just amazing. I remember... When we ran a $50,000 guarantee, that for us was a very large, you know, guarantee, which we just fell shy of making, you know, um, but it was going to be over three days. And, you know, we got, like I said, very close to the numbers that we wanted to get in there because the buy-in was only like 200 and change, 225, I remember. And so people were coming in, but now... You have to coordinate that with your dealers to make sure that, you know, you have to change schedule. So you're already thinking of this as a, you know, when I was putting this together that I knew we were going to offer this tournament, I started, you know, one, speaking with my assistant, going, okay, let's do a checklist as to everything that we have to do, okay, and everything in the poker room. I started with doing everything in the poker room. You know, making sure, you know, I had ordered enough tournament chips, you know, because this tournament came about a few months after we had opened the, the the room, after the casino, the machines went in. So I knew the chips, it was everything was fine there. Um, I had enough staff. I just had to make sure that some people who were off, you know, this is like all hands on deck uh, for this uh, to- for this tournament. So Mandatory uh, tenants. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And for my dealers, so... Uh, inside the poker room, so this is this is telling you just for one tournament, okay? I, you know, inside the inside the poker room, you know, I made sure that everything in the room was functional, you know, from supervisors, dealers, okay, uh, cage personnel, which is from a different department, okay. So once I got all of that straightened out, then as I spoke to our our G, our, our vice president GM, um, I said, listen, I'm, I'm gonna if you don't mind, I'm going to try to coordinate, and he wanted this too. So I coordinated with the F&B manager to make sure there was proper, you know, more staffing for those days also, more cocktail waitresses. Uh, coordinated with the uh, standing only the Latin American Cafe that was back there, that they would be prepared for the orders that were coming in. Got also with valet to make sure they had enough people in there got with janitorial staff to make sure the room was kept clean, you know, obviously with so many people, you know, poker players just leave when when they're done drinking or eating, they just leave it there. So, you know, people don't realize this. A whole lot goes into trying to make this an enjoyable experience, 
and and a functional experience for everybody. And that's just your one section of the building. There's obviously a casino with slot machines. Exactly. You know, there's a whole other, it might be high lie going on or horse racing or dog racing, it, depending on where you are. Exactly. So the other people have their jobs to do, but I needed to coordinate with them. You know, I got the go-ahead so that these people who came in, and much like you said, a lot of the totem people who came in are not your regulars. So you're hoping to impress these people. You know, the, the goal of most of these tournaments is to introduce your room, your casino, to these people, and that they have an enjoyable experience, so they'll want to come back. So that's why I put so much importance in making, coordinating, you know, that all the efforts from all the department heads, security is another one that I had to make sure. Uh, like I said... And I'm thinking of, that's why I've always been amazed here when we talk about, you know, what they run, and they run multiple tournaments, you know, it's on an, on a completely different level. So that's what I did to make it enjoyable for one of those tournaments, you know. Uh, and it was just one tournament over three days of buy-in, and the fourth day, you know, the, the people who made it through day, you know, day A, 1A, B, and C came back and played uh, you know, all the way through until we were done with the tournament on day four. And then there's, of course, as I mentioned, the cash games and the whole. Well, yeah, well, that, and that's another part of the room that you're not even thinking about. But it's not to say you're not thinking about it. But yeah, you don't want to offend either your cash players who are not going to play in the tournament, which is a danger in a lot of rooms. Right, remember, right. At, at, remember at the at, in Palm Beach Kennel Club, as you were mentioning them earlier. Uh, as we spoke with Noah and with Will and with some of the Joe, I can't remember Joe's last name, who used to be the tournament director over there many Joe years. Joe Conti. Joe Conti yeah. many years ago, okay. You know, the problem was the tournaments got so large that they had to use up every available table. Yeah. And once you do and that. And they had a separate room for the tournament upstairs. And that, you know, but the the response when they did the, uh, the, the WSOP circuit event was incredible. When they had the I WNT, mean, incredible. Yeah. Uh, so you're, you're, you have to kind of balance, and you have to have a staff that's so well prepared because as the table became available, you had to have cat. You know, you had to have it dead set to put a bank in there. However, they I don't remember if their dealers walked with their own banks or they had a, a set bank like we do over here. But regardless, whatever the situation was, ready to rock and roll. You know, because you've got cash players who don't give a damn about the tournament and they're kind of upset that hey i support this room every damn day and all of a sudden i can't come in and i'll tell you another problem we 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 constantly mention here on the show their bad beat jackpot right okay on some of their on some of the you know the dates that they've had the, the like especially in the february that thing had grown up to four or five hundred thousand. Okay, and that really and that's from the locals fighting for that. You know, p putting that money into the jackpot for right. that. And now, you know, these other people come in, and I remember once somebody hit it. I don't remember. I don't want to. I want to be fair. I don't want to say that that one of the the visiting players won it, but it went off at that time. So chances are that it was probably a visiting player was involved in that as, as opposed to your locals. So when you have multiple day tournaments like that and you have that, that response to it that you get, you're, 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 you're at max, you actually, once you start getting alternates, you know you've used to all your tables up. So these people are waiting for somebody else to get eliminated to jump in. So if you're the director of poker, you've got to have a tournament director if you do any kind of tournaments at all. So just to, for an example, uh, you know, Noah Carbone at Palm Beach Kennel Club had Will Herrera to run his tournaments. Uh, Bill Mason over at the Hard Rock had Tony Burns. Uh, you know, it, it just goes on and on with these guys. And the ones we talk to are the, are the tournament directors because we cover tournaments basically on this show. We right. don't really cover cash games. People don't want to talk about, you know, I walked out of there with uh, five they got grand. Ca people got cash games wherever they live for yeah. the most part. Exactly. Yeah, and, and guess what? Um, I didn't give this, well, I don't want to mention his name now, but uh young man who I had hired uh, as a supervisor, and uh, his he was supervisor slash tournament director. So, yes, as I said, as I was preparing for this tournament and going through all the details in my head as to what would it would take, and then I needed to get, obviously, final approval for the $50,000 guarantee, um, 
got all of that out of the way. Then I sat the tournament director down, uh, the young man that I wanted to be in charge of this. And I made sure that everybody knew that during the tournament time, he was in charge. You understand? Yeah. I, I, I allow, I've always allowed my people to run their, you know, I, I look and I tell them what I need to get done. And I want to make sure, even though he's, he's your equal for, you know, 98% of the time in the year, for this 2%, for this one particular tournament, he takes precedence over you and, and he's in charge. And, you know, but again, I went over all the details and he did come up with some other details that I hadn't thought about. You know, thus that's why I had him as a tournament director. He's a very sharp young man, and you know, again, it's just a matter of you know, as, as the old saying say, crossing your T's and dotting your I's. And I believe we put on a very good show. You know, outside of falling a little bit short of the guarantee, everything went off, which can be disastrous. everything went off very, very, very well. I had very little complaints about the service. Uh, the biggest complaint you'll hear in there, if your staff isn't good or any of that, now once you get out of that, is how quickly they were getting drinks and food. Because yeah. poker players, unlike casino players, eat like like you know, nothing you've ever seen before. Because <laughs> you go outside, you a, casino, a slot player, a table player gets up and goes to the restaurant and sits down. Poker players don't want to get up, as you know. Yeah. So they want their food delivered to them, and with with that much, ex, you know, with that many more people in the casino, that's why I wanted to make sure that the kitchen people and the restaurant and our regular F and B, that they were well staffed, so people didn't have to wait an hour to get some food. So. Well, just looking at the uh, the Rock and Roll Poker Open series, which is. One of the lesser events, really, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it that, but uh, they have this, the big Seminole Hard Rock Poker Open. They have the WPT Showdown in April. They have the Lucky Hearts, which will be after the first of the year, and we'll be covering that here. And this one was maybe about fourth on that list of their huge tournaments. And just some numbers from that. Uh, they, they did almost 11,000 total entries and I believe 26 or 27 events. Uh, the largest was uh, now they were they were offering guarantees in these tournaments. Not all, too? not all, but some. Well, the important part is to see if they've reached all their guarantees but on the tables and in the in the tournaments. I, I can tell you offer. this: they had 4.8 million in guarantees over the course of their events, and 8.2 million in prize pools. Okay, so, so they probably like they made did really well. probably made all of them. Uh, they had 17 players that won at least $100,000 over the course of God the tournament. bless them. So, uh, you know, and that's that's the things you prepare for, and then you end them. Now you got a, a little tournament at the, at the Fun in the Sun in December, and you got the Lucky Hearts in January. Now you see all the things that I just mentioned? Yeah. I forgot about the payout at the end and coordinating all that cash, how it's going to work out. Getting the tips to your and dealers? I, I, well, no, the tips to your dealers, no, because at the that's very normal. end people that's get, already worked out. you know, there's, there's, there's a certain fee that went for the dealers. That you don't do until the very end because you've got to count all the downs that they've done, and you wait to the very end to see if any of the people who won left anything extra for, for the dealers right. or, or, the, uh, or the supervisory staff, you know. But, again, these are all – it's funny. You keep thinking about, oh, wow, I've got to do this. I've got to do that, you know. There's so much involved, and that's why, I, you know, I've always mentioned on the show, I take my hat off, and – very first time you do anything major like this, Dave, multiple tournaments, you know, multiple day tournaments like this and running a 10-day series and stuff like that. First time you're going to, pro- I'm sure you're going to make some mistakes along the line. And, you know, poker players love to complain anyway. So um, we've mentioned about some of the things at the WSOP main event with the long lines and with this. So... If it's going to be a, a, an annual, continual thing, and as we know, the Hard Rock you right. just mentioned, it's their their fourth big event, but it's the fourth one out of the top, you know, out of yeah, the four. Absolutely. You know, by now, it's it's not to say it's routine, but you've got that checklist perfect waiting in your office, and now you know who you have to address to it. Now, he, here's the interesting part that I'm thinking at the Hard Rock, our good friend. Tony got promoted to marketing, uh, you know, director, and 
So I would imagine someone else stepped in, right? He has been replaced, and I want to talk about that. But we'll take a break first here on the show. Uh, I think people that know the hard rock and know the business will be happy to hear this news. Uh, It's probably out there to a lot of people, but I do want to pass it along when we come back. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be back with more of the show after these messages. Thanks for being with us tonight. We'll be back very shortly. This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach. But what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky. The eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran. His canoe ready, waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Yard Council. Welcome back to the show. You have to wait no further. We'll let you know that the new tournament director at the Seminole Hard Rock is Jason Heidenthal. Jason was the daytime tournament director at the Isle. Tony was the night guy there, working on both of them working under Mike Smith. Uh, it looked for a while like both of them were going to go with Mike up to Maryland when Mike uh, took over uh, Maryland Live. And uh, Jason was his tournament director up there. Tony decided because of family considerations that he was going to stay down here. And he even took a job as a poker dealer at the Isle for a couple of years because he didn't got tired of working nights and uh, working until 4 in the morning. So because of his family life, he became the uh, poker dealer there. But he uh, was hired by Bill Mason and the, uh, the Seminole Tribe to come in and be their tournament director and is now uh, one of the highly respected people in the, in the world of poker. Uh, we'll have Tony on very soon to talk about it. And we also, I'd like to have Jason on as well because Jason was very well liked, uh, went and worked in Maryland for six and a half years and started last week at the Seminole Hard Rock. So uh, nothing like bringing a guy who knows the area and has been through uh, the wars to come back and step in and work with people that already know him and like him. And we know what a great job uh, they did with tournaments at the Isle when Mike Smith was there. Absolutely. They were actually the tournament place to go, remember? Because they used to have uh, three or four tournaments a year. Uh, so... Outstanding, you know, yeah. it's, it's, and getting more experience at Maryland Live because you know that's one of the top poker rooms in the cold country. Yeah, I don't know who they're going to hire there. Their tournament director now is Ralph Brandt. Uh, I like Ralph; he's done a good job. Uh, Ken Al, Ken, uh, can't remember his last name. Ken at the Isle. Ken at the, uh, the one that just got just let go. Out, the yeah. one who just yeah. got let go. I'm blanking go. out. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, they of course brought Stan Strickland in after after Mike left. And uh, then they brought Ken in, and he uh, he was, uh, I don't know if he was let go, or I haven't really heard the whole story of how he left or what happened there, but um, he is, he, he's gone on to Texas, and I from what I hear, he's gone from there now, too, as well. So uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen next. Uh, Vinny Gatto is a guy you worked with that's uh, kind of running the room now on a part-time basis. He's still the interim. He's still in he the still interim. is, and uh, we'll see he what's going to happen. A, he really deserves a shot. He does. He does, and uh, you hate been, to see it. He's a been a company man when Mike left, when Stan left, now with Kenny. Um, you know, and listen, all I know is if I knew that young man when he was a dealer, and he was an outstanding person. I know his dad, uh, Jimmy Gatto, and. Uh, 
it's in his blood. So I I certainly hope uh, Vinny gets that that job permanently. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, we'll look forward to what's going to happen there. A couple tournaments I want to tell you about, but let's get let's get to the heart of the Rock and Roll Poker Open because I just was talking about some of the major events. They finished their uh, main event uh, just a few days ago, and the winner was a fellow from Bulgaria. Uh, his name uh, Milan Stefanov, and won five hundred forty-five thousand. Uh, the entire final table was uh, something I was really not all that familiar with, so uh, not sure. Uh, how that actually shook out, but uh, uh, he won that tournament, and uh, uh, some of the big names had passed on uh, and knocked, got knocked out of the event. So uh, we will uh, we'll keep an eye on uh, what happens there. But the uh, the event that really stood out to me was the uh, was the Sahai Roller that Jason was playing in, and I want to get to the Jason interview in just a moment. But Jason uh, finished in fourth place. Had a nice turnout. Uh, the winner of that one was Bryn Kenny, who was uh, uh, one wow. of the top players in the world. And uh, Bryn was at the final table there and took down the tournament for uh, 354000 It's not bad for a 41-player tournament. <laughs> uh, Brock Wilson was the runner-up. Jerry Robinson finished third. Jason was fourth. Anthony Zeno, also at the final table, finished in fifth place. Uh, a local player here from Miami who's uh, pretty well-known nationally, uh, An- Angelko Andrejevic. Uh, finished in sixth place, and another Miamian, Lazaro Hernandez. I showed you his picture last yeah. week. He finished in seventh. So, uh, Ken Ken Aldridge is the the fellow from the Isle, right? Okay. <laughs> anyway, anyway uh, so uh, we got a chance to talk with Jason. It was uh, there were still eleven players left at the time. There was a Monday night football game that he was very interested in, uh, the Seahawks game uh, over the not this week but last week, and. Uh, We've been wanting to catch up with Jason on his family life. So uh, here's what he had to say. We took a few minutes with us. With Jason Mercier, dipping your toe back in the water. Mm-hmm. Of course, in mm-hmm. August, you won a 50K, a uh, super high roller here. Mm-hmm. And uh, you kind of just can play when you feel like it now, right? Uh, pretty much. I mean, uh, I'm not really traveling too much. So there aren't too many big tournaments here in Florida, at least not ones like high roller buy-ins and stuff that's going to get me excited about playing so uh yeah i mean i'm pretty much coming out to the hard rock when when they have like 25ks and 50ks and stuff like that and uh i know it's a million years away right now but uh world series of poker would that be Mm -hmm. a more regular thing on your agenda i think so for seven weeks of course yeah i mean last year we went for just three weeks um and that even that was tough. So uh, my wife didn't really get to play, and we only had one kid at the time. Now we have two. Right. So uh, we're not really sure what we're going to do as far as the World Series. We might try to get a place there or something like that okay. so that we can be uh, more set up and maybe be able to go for the whole thing. I think the last time I interviewed you, you still just had one child. I think and Natasha was pregnant. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about the baby and, and sure. how that's gone. Uh, well, it's going great. Uh, my son, Mateo, is uh, two months old now. Uh, so he was born on September 30th, and uh, I barely know where I am right now. So, uh, but uh, but yeah, it's it's been great. Um, he actually looks kind of like a carbon copy of my first son, Marco. Marco, uh, except he's just bigger. He's like you know, a right. pumped up version of my my first kid. So he was born a little bigger. He's uh, he eats like a ton you know and uh he's just heavier so but it's pretty cool i mean it's so awesome to see you know the differences between them and it's like deja vu right now i feel like i'm i'm like uh went back two years (laughs) in time you know and how does uh, marco handle a little brother uh i mean he loves him he's uh he's all over him you know he was a little skittish at first you know he didn't like when when he was crying, you know, at, at first, but he got used to it, and uh, and I mean, he loves them. So I think it's going to be awesome to see them grow up so close in age, right. and, you know, do all the same stuff. Uh, it's kind of a really frantic, hectic life with two young kids, right? And uh, you come to these poker games and you're playing like one out of every six or eight hands. Sure. Uh, how do you handle the boredom? Uh, it's not really boredom because you know, honestly, when you don't play for a couple months. Uh, it's exciting and fun to play again. You know, when you're playing all the, all the time, time and and whatever, it, it might be uh, a little tiresome. But uh, you know, honestly, I 
last series in August, I played the 50K, I played the 25K. And then since I busted out from that, I have not played one hand of wow. poker until this tournament. So it's been, uh, you know, two and a half months basically until, and now I'm playing this. Honestly, I'm just having fun being here, messing with the chips, looking at hands, wondering what I should do and, and having conversation with people that I haven't seen. So uh, honestly, it's, it's refreshing taking long breaks. Well, I know how badly you always wanted to have a family. Now you sure. have one. Did you ever think it would affect your uh, poker life this much? Uh, not exactly. I mean, I knew I would slow down eventually, especially having kids and getting married and everything. But uh, I didn't ever think that I would play this little. So, like, you know, I I just go weeks, months without even... You miss it? Yeah, I miss it, of yeah. course. And And when I play, I'm like, you know, kind of like, wow, I've been really missing this without really knowing it. Um but uh but yeah it's uh it's fun to play and i still love playing so you know it, it's nice that they have these series here uh every few months because you know i'm not sure i would be playing much at all uh, outside of the world series did you play the main here i didn't honestly because day 2 starts at noon on sunday uh-huh. And I don't want to miss NFL. Yeah. So, like, you know, just the thought of, like, driving here. And, and honestly, I've done it a bunch of times where, where NFL is going and I'm just, like, distracted. I can't really focus on, on day two. So, uh, and plus, I don't want to miss the 25K. So it's like, um, you know, it seems like a pretty easy decision to skip the main and just plan on coming here on Monday. One question about this tournament. You were down fairly low in chips. You looked like you made a little bit of a comeback. Sure. But you're certainly not the chip leader or mm-hmm. probably even close. But what is your thought about the tournament at this point? Do you think, I just I would really just like to cash? Or are you just thinking about winning? Uh, or or you just take it as it comes? Uh, mostly just take it as it comes. So right now there's 11 people left. I have an average stack. Um, I'm at the five-handed table. No, sorry. I'm at the six-handed table. Um, and it's, you know, it's a pretty tough field left. Everyone's really tough. Like, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of rags still in. So, uh, you know, I'm just going to try to see if I have good spots, you know, see if I can double up. Uh, I'm playing to win, you know. But uh, if it comes to a spot where, you know, I'm also going to be looking to try to make the money. So, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully I get some good hands, make some good decisions, and, and get first. Well, I know everybody's really super happy for you, for your family life and sure. everything. And I'm sure your father and mother are really uh, doting grandparents as well. Yeah. I mean, well, my son that was just born, he's their ninth. So uh, ninth grandkid. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, we're just adding them on one one by one. for Beautiful. That. <laughs> okay. Good luck here. And uh, what's what's 2020 have been for you? Uh, Another baby? We'll see. You know, you'd have to ask Natasha about that. Right now she's like... No more babies, so we're gonna wait and see. But I, I would like—I also like, saw you say I'd have twenty more. Uh, yeah, I'd like <laughs> to have a third, you know. And I, I think it would be awesome to have, uh, you know, a girl. But also, like a third boy would be pretty cool. So yeah, we'll see. Okay, good luck. Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you. Jason Mercier, uh, one of the good guys, and uh, Joe. I know he's been one of your favorites for a long time. Oh, he really and I know has. You, that you have commented many times on uh, how well he was raised because of the way he uh, he treats people, and uh, you could tell that he is obviously a great father and uh, family man. Married Na- Natasha Barber, who's now uh, Natasha Mercier, Mercier, of course, and uh, really kind of enjoying the best of all worlds. I mean, he's made a ton of money playing poker. He can really do whatever he wants. Uh, he still, as he mentioned there, loves to play, but he doesn't, you know, he, he can concentrate on the family life, and, and they got a nice big family. Uh, his father, Rick, is a great as guy. As a father, too. and, you know, I, I know Jason's birthday, I think, is around the 8th or something of November. Born the same year as my daughter. They're about four or five days apart in age. And, you know, so it's so nice to see such a you know, incredible young man that... You know, we've had on our show, and, you know, to be honest, we've had unbelievable shows almost close to 10 years now that we've been doing this. And my favorite all-time interview was his first interview with us, obviously, when he discussed his first win that almost turned out to be his from his best day ever to almost his worst day ever in this world. And, you know, you could tell how grounded this young man was, that he was obviously raised well and in a very loving environment. And in the interview, you know, it's nice. I he said he he took this is the first poker he's played in two and a half months. You know, obviously with a newborn, 
But uh, he also mentioned, uh, you know, while while you were interviewing him, Dave, that, you know, sometimes when you take, you know, whatever amount of time it is off, and as he's talked about months, sometimes you come back to the game and, you know, you find that, hey, wow, I really missed the game. And I think it's the competition. I would imagine at Jason's level, you know, the, the, che- the chess match that goes on at the tables, especially like in this tournament where he's playing with so many other great ball, you know, great, I was about to say great ball players, great poker players, you know, you got to miss that. But that's how well-grounded this young man is. He's not putting his family second. He's putting his family first, poker second, and, you know, I'm sure he'll figure out he'll figure out a nice balance going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kenny uh, actually made a heads up deal with Brock Wilson. He had uh, about a three to one chip lead at the time. Gave up a lot of money, as far as I'm concerned, because he won three fifty four and and the second place finisher won three oh one when he had a three to one chip lead. What was kind of, do you did you have the prize I money for first and second no, there? I don't, so I don't. you know. Uh, it all depends. Again, yeah, three to one is big, but I don't know. You know. He made that deal for some sort of reason. Yeah, so. absolutely. So, uh, anyway, that tournament is completed. Now they move on to the next one, uh, which is a nice little event over there at the Hard Rock with the week after Christmas, which is uh, called the Fun in the Sun. And between now and then, they actually have one uh, starting this weekend, which is just added to the schedule, and that is the... Uh, the Chris Moneymaker event, which they're giving away a platinum pass for the tournament next year over in uh, uh, Barcelona, I guess is where they're going to play it this year. But that starts on December the 11th with uh, a quad stack double green chip bounty tournament starting at 5 p.m., $200 buy-in. And the Moneymaker's Road to the PSPC main event uh, starts on December the 13th, which is uh, Friday at 10 a.m., and there'll also be an opening day, 1B, on uh, the next day, Saturday. So, uh, nice little tournament there with a chance to win a Platinum Pass, which is worth 30 grand. So, uh, that's now, and then the fun in the sun starts uh, right right after Christmas, the 26th through the 30th. Like we said, there's always something to do in the tournament world, so... Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, we'll talk about a couple other things. By the way, uh... Ken Aldridge was the guy I mentioned earlier, the, the player that played with uh, Will Faella. Ken Lambert is, uh, is, the, is was the gentleman that, that was at the aisle. So they have not hired anybody yet, so we'll wait to see uh, what's going to happen with that. Our apologies to Ken Lambert yeah, because we should definitely know that name right off the top of our heads. <laughs> well, I'm not sure how good of terms he left on, but we'll, uh, well that, try to find that, out. That has nothing to do with the, course, the, the, his, the great reputation that he's had in this industry, so... Okay, let's take a break here on the show. When we come back, we'll talk about a few more things. Uh, you're listening to Poker Action You can always pick us up on uh, the Poker Fuse podcast page on the uh, Hold'em Radio Network. You can go to SoundCloud, find us there, tweet the show out afterwards, uh, maybe send it by email to one of your friends. Uh, of course, PokerActionLine.com or simply iTunes or Stitcher or any place you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be back with more of the show when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. We'll be right back. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. 
The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave and Joe talking poker here from South Florida as usual on Poker Action Line. And uh, we appreciate all everybody joining us on the shows every week. And we'll work on getting a few more guests. It's easy for me mostly to... Uh, you know, not have to have people uh, shake up their schedule and come into the studio and that type of thing. So I've been getting a bunch of interviews while I'm out at tournaments and uh, bringing them in and talking to people. So uh, certainly, you know, that's uh, the easiest way for us to approach the whole deal. Uh, we do have some guys that come in on a fairly regular basis. Uh, Joe might be out of town or uh, not feeling well, and some people stepped in. And one guy who's become a good friend over the over the years that plays at a lot of local tournaments here is Michael Tate. And uh, got a chance to see Michael uh, playing an event over there uh, during this series, and he ended up finishing in sixth place. Um, when I saw him, he was bagging up with still about 100, 100 people still left, and he got all the way up to, to the final table and ended up finishing sixth. So congratulations to him on that. Uh, one of the guys who hasn't been playing that much, Michael Moed, I haven't uh, seen uh, for a while lately, but... Uh, he is there. Steve Karp uh, had a couple good runs during this series, and guys who have been a part of the show uh, over the years. We've met a lot of really good people in this business. I'm sorry. Um, Steve Karp is one of those that we've been mentioning over the last year, how he's been making deep runs, not quite getting to the final table. So hopefully Steve will, will uh, crack that very, very soon, you know? Yeah. And we have. We've had a lot of great people that have stepped in, when I've had to step, be out, you know, my, my partner here, you know, would have that Lou Gehrig uh, thing if he didn't step out for that uh, one bowl game that, that I had to do solo here. Uh, Almost got Wally the, pipped. The, the <laughs> he, he hasn't trusted me to do a show by myself ever since well, then. So. But, uh, I'm sure that'll happen someday. Dave has been, you know, the Iron Man here. I, I haven't even come close to that, but uh, so I'm very grateful that... Big Dave has been able to step up every single time. So uh, Planet Hollywood just hosted a, a circuit event uh, that finished about uh, a week ago. Uh, the winner of that main event was Michael Trivet. Uh, gave a lot of the credit to uh, Ryan LaPlante as one of his teachers. Uh, Ryan, a very well-known player, but LaPlante uh, finished in the top 20 in that event as well. Uh, Zach Donovan, also a guy we uh, have seen a lot uh finished in fourth place in that one but uh the tournament uh the circuit schedule um as we mentioned uh filled out there and i don't know how you rank these tournaments now there's just so many big ones uh seems like the high rollers have kind of taken over the attention of a lot of the poker world that's the one jason mentioned that he just played in a 25 and a 50k and uh seems like the 1500 dollar buy-in tournaments that don't excite him too much anymore well you know, I, obviously, when you <laughs> when you've hit the levels that Jason has, um, and again, you know, the, there are different limits for all different types of poker players. I'll be honest with you; I'd really like to ask Tony, you know, how the casino, how he feels about the higher limit games as opposed to the more, you know, uh, sociable. Uh, Five hundred thousand dollars—that that—that's you know that that most poker players can afford, uh, pocketbook and, and and as opposed to these twenty-five, fifty k, you know they reel that off like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, they do. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Jason in the interview goes, "Well, I'm here for the twenty-five. I played in the fifty k. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's it's like you and I say we're gonna be uh, yeah, put fifty cents over here, a dollar over there, you know." Uh, not a lot of poker players are in that stratosphere. Yeah, no question. A uh, few other things happening. Uh, I did want to uh, touch on this uh, tournament for uh, West Palm Beach because it's associated with the Card Player Poker Tour. Uh, Card Player Magazine has an event uh, that will also be running 
right after Christmas. The 12 tournament series kicks off on uh, December 26th. A uh, little bit smaller events, uh, buy-ins like 125, 230, uh, stuff like that. And uh, that yeah. will all be taking place uh, in that same week with the Hard Rock playing uh, about the same level of type tournaments in the Fun in the Sun. Really? They're going to have them that low buy-ins and everything? for Yeah. Okay. Two-day tournament, 125 it kicks off with. Uh, and there's only about five or six events, but uh, that is all at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. And, you know, since they they dropped the uh, circuit event there, I think... Uh, Publicity-wise, people kind of get away from uh, seeing what's going on there on a regular basis. It's a great room, and uh, they just had a story that I wrote up for Annie Up that's coming out in the new magazine that uh, they had a bad beat giveaway, and the and the female poker dealer contributed $400 of her tips to uh, a big uh, hunger cause there that's uh, local in the area. So people are doing things, uh, you know, with the money and. Uh, Life goes on. You don't have to have a huge uh, nationally uh, known tournament to to survive. Listen, they were doing quite well before the WSOP came by. It definitely, because you know the uh, revenue figures are, are public knowledge here in the state of Florida because they're licensed by the state. So they used to. I remember at least in the first few years, they more than doubled their their revenue for the month of February when it was just once a year. I don't know. I honestly did not check once they went to that. Remember, they started doing two of them in September was another right. one. Exactly. And uh, But I know that in February, you know, the Palm Beach Kennel Club and the Isle were always at that point fighting for who was number one in the state for poker revenue. And they were always both right around a million, a little over it, uh, slow months, maybe, a, you know, 20,000, 30,000 below it. But they were always right there. And I remember that the year before they had their first circuit event there, their revenue uh, for the month of February was somewhere around a million. And if I'm not mistaken, that 10-day series uh, brought in um, over just just over two million dollars. So they they just about doubled their revenue for that month. Um, so again, <laughs> it's it's. Uh, it was definitely eye-opening now, you know, but people were making money there. The company was making money there, Dave, uh, you know, before the, the WSOP. Uh, we still have never found out why they gave it up, right? Right. I haven't. I don't know if you heard no, about I, it. but no, I didn't. People that I know from up there, I've asked. They, they haven't given me an answer that I can <laughs> that I could talk about. So whatever the reason was. You know, they're still doing great revenue, you know, great numbers. Uh, so, like you said, life goes on. Maybe take it on with a smaller tournament now. Well, someone who's a big part of the uh, circuit is uh, Maurice Hawkins, who we've had on the show uh, several times and is now the all-time ring winner uh, for circuit events. And he had a few things to say. He did a interview with uh, Poker News with Chad Holloway. And talked about a few things he thought were a big problem, and I wondered what you thought. He thinks that they've gone now to uh, paying too many spots at these circuit events, that they pay out uh, 15%, and you really have to be in the top 7% just to double your money. So he said that costs uh, you know, them the average recreational-type player that might come into play, but finds it's too difficult to, uh, to make the big money. You almost have to be an elite player to make a living on that, on that circuit. Well, are, do you remember that I, at the WSOP when the main event, that if you made the money, you doubled your buy-in, but they complained that there wasn't enough people, you know, cashing out. That was that was a complaint of the general consensus. So now Maurice, since he plays in this a heck of a lot more, is concerned, you know, that he has to get into the top 7% to what, to double his money, he said yeah, now? Yeah, uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean... As a tournament director, you know, maybe as a poker player, I would agree with him. But as a, you know, from the business side, you want to try to have as many people, even if they don't make a whole lot of money, they make a little bit of money, they get their buy-in back, they had a good time, they come back and reinvest that money in your room, you know, play with that income. Um, until it starts affecting the figures, the, the, the buy-in figures, uh I don't see it changing. 
Yeah. He also says they allow players uh, too much latitude for registering late for an event. They're letting players buy into the 12th and 13th level of an event. Well, I agree. That's ridiculous that it goes that far. He said it really lessens the game's skill component. It really, I, I agree with that, and it's just very nerve-wracking. I, I would imagine they're going that late because they want to meet whatever guarantees they've put out there. And if you have to go that far, that's just letting you know that your guarantee may be a little too high, and you have yeah. to kind of adjust it for the following uh, year. He believes that the tournament should be a maximum of one re-entry uh, and should only last for the first six or seven levels. Is that a good cutoff, you think, for, for a tournament? Uh, well, listen, usually if you're doing half-hour half um, uh, blinds, I figure three, you know, then you do it at six. If you're doing 20-minute levels, then, you know, obviously you're going to move that up to nine. You know, uh, so you, most, most of these tournaments are about three hours worth of, of rebuy period. I agree wholeheartedly with him with the one buy one re, you know reentry if you get knocked out that should be it but again you know you're we're, we're balancing players needs you know the what somebody like a Maurice Hawkins who's who's quoted professional poker player you know as opposed to what the you know what the poker room needs to, you know, to continue to offer these tournaments to its players. He says he believes there's too many events, and in the, that's the old greed factor stepping in. But he says instead, cut back some of the events, spend more money on promotion, including at the World Series of Poker, uh, which doesn't seem to promote the circuit, which goes on later in the year. That that's a perfect opportunity for them to grow their minor leagues, basically, is what they have, and they're not doing it. Well... I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it right now, and I don't know about you, but I don't ever recall them. I mean, I don't know if in the commercials on ESPN when they're doing this, if they are doing any of the advertising for, for their minor leagues, like you said. I mean, we know that on their website you see it all the time and everything else. Um, you know, uh, they might just be doing quite well without having to throw any extra money at it promotional-wise. Um, again... I don't know what the cost is for the WSOP circuit event. Um, hopefully I can find out from a friend of mine who just recently had one finish at at his place. And if I get a chance to talk to him in, in, in the very near future, I, uh, I can ask him. Would you a, consider that? I would consider asking him to see if he, you know, what the cost level is. Because I did mention to him, listen, you know, you, I don't know what the fees are. I don't know what the fees are from uh, the WSOP. But, I mean, obviously, there's a large investment. One thing I did hear, and I won't mention from who, but, you know, uh, in West Palm Beach, uh, when they did their first WSOP circuit event, they were not anticipating on making any kind of money, uh, per se, for the, from the tournament. Right. They did make their money on their live cash games and whatever their fees was. But I would imagine the kickback to the WSOP, the expenses of buying chips and everything else that you need that has all their logos and everything on it um the money i think is to be made in the second third and you know going forward where you don't where you don't have that initial expense that large initial expense that you have to put up for this so um i'll see if i get a chance to speak with a friend of mine and uh who you know like i said recently ran one and see if I can get some details on that if he, if he's you know if he's able to tell me about it. Yeah. Well, one of the things we talked about as far as uh, politics going on right now is the uh, Democrats, of course, uh, having lots of uh, uh, big debates and uh, certain it's getting harder and harder to stay in those debates. You have to reach a certain level. Uh, one of the th persons, as we've talked about on the show, that poker players are kind of gravitating to is Andrew Yang who uh, put out a tweet that uh, he wanted, he thought there should be uh, legalization of online poker throughout the country. Uh, he's fine with having it on the state-by-state on, on the state level uh, for a while, but he said it should be on a federal level that it's, uh, people are allowed to play. So immediately, a lot of big-name poker players have gravitated to this guy. Uh, Daniel Negreanu is the latest, who is putting together a, uh, a uh, poker tournament to uh, benefit Andrew Yang's campaign, 
It's going to be on uh, December the 15th at the Las Vegas Mosaic Theater. And uh, a lot of people, a lot of big names are going to be involved, including uh, the magician Antonio Esfandiari, Jeff Madsen, Dutch Boyd. Uh, one of the prizes is a VIP experience with uh, disc jockey Steve Aoki, who is also a poker player. And, uh, you know, there's different things that you support and different candidates uh, and why you you like them. But certainly uh, he's the only one that's talked about poker, so he's he's really getting the poker audience. Yeah, and and it's I don't think it's a surprise that Daniel Negrano and, and you know Antonio and all these you know top names because I mean think about it they were great ambassadors for the sites that they that they represented. There's a lot of money we've we've you know remember how that money was before everything got cut off there. Right. So if if it becomes legalized, there's going to be it's going to be so much better for just the average Joe poker player. Right. And then, obviously, for these big names, you know, they 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 reap the benefit also of being, uh, you know, the the professional representatives, uh, poker pros for whatever whatever word you want to use it. But they're the goodwill ambassadors for some of these poker sites. Right. And you know, uh, obviously, if um, there's a financial reward that comes with that, and um, but it, you know that is a double-edged sword. It's beneficial for everybody in the poker industry. We've been trying to champion the cause of it, get, you know, getting federal instead of state by state. But you know, we'll take it as it comes. Yeah, that's all we can do. Well, I'd love to have it here in the state of Florida. I mean, it'd just be you know someone like that that you're really not sure exactly what he stands for. You'd like to see a little bit more of him. He's only polling at 4%. He needs 6% to get into the next debate, so he could be out uh, if something doesn't happen soon. But it's nice that, uh, you know, uh, socially-minded poker players are doing a little bit with this election to, uh, instead of just sitting back and then complaining about it later when it doesn't yeah. go their way. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, they're down to head-to-head play in uh, the tournament at Cher- uh, Harris-Cherokee. Uh, the main event there, Michael Kasim has been eliminated in third place, and that leaves just Hannah Guthrie and Eric Gorman. The last uh, I see for chips there is Gorman has about $17 million and Hannah Guthrie about 12 So uh, they'll be playing down to a title, and uh, I'm not sure if we're going to get that in before the show ends. But here, but we'll let you know next week who took that one. But, uh, again, you know, it would be nice to see uh, a woman win a major... Ring event in the in the circuit. Well, absolutely, and, and I can't wait to see the a woman get to the main event final t- final table. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we we came so damn close <laughs> just a few years ago when we had the uh, uh, the the two ladies that were eliminated right before the final table. Right, right. Uh, Gail Bauman and uh, forget the other girl's name. But listen, the, that that's I think. I honestly believe if we can have uh, uh, one of our top female poker players or any female poker player uh, catch lightning in a bottle, just make a deep run in the main event, you know, and get to a final table, maybe even, you know, God willing, even win win the main event, I think that will probably ignite. Uh, you know, a nice little surge of women, you know, saying, hey, this, we, you know, we want to play now. And you're going to start to see, I honestly believe if that something like that happened, you'd start seeing a significant number of more women playing poker. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, you know, we've got to just keep working at it. That's it. I mean, you know, uh, their numbers, unfortunately, are not very strong as far as in participation and you know, in the total view of pictures, percentage-wise, and you know, we've mentioned it for the longest time. That's the last frontier <laughs> that poker player, that the, the poker industry needs is for more women to enter the game. Yeah, no question. Uh, we haven't mentioned the WPT. Of course, they finished at the Hard Rock. That was a uh, WPT final table with. Uh that finishing up over the weekend. The next tournament is out in La- in uh, Vegas at the Five Diamond Classic. And uh, Dylan Lindy will be looking to uh, defend his title there at the uh, Five Diamond. So uh, a lot's going on in every aspect of the business. There you go. That'll give us something to talk about next week when yeah, we come back. <laughs> something will be coming there. So uh, uh, enjoyed the uh, the coverage of the WPT this year. I don't know how many, much people are watching that, but Tony Dunst stepped right in, does a great job. 
with Mike Sexton gone now from the uh, position he held for so long. And, of course, Vince uh, doing a good job as always, and he's got his movie uh, that just came out. We'll have to talk about that as well. There you go. Okay, that's going to do it for tonight's show. Remember, you can always pick up the show. Go to our website, Poker Action Line. We have a Podbean page there where you can uh, get past shows. You can go to uh, SoundCloud, download the show there, uh, tweet it to your friends. We'd like to have you uh, rate the show on uh, iTunes if you get it there. Wherever you get your shows, uh, you know we appreciate any feedback. You can always drop me an email at bigdave at pokeractionline.com. And I'd love to respond to you there. Joe, thank you for everything as usual. Uh, Joe Costello stepping in at the controls tonight. Uh, appreciate that as well. We'll be back with another show next week. Uh, looking forward to a great holiday season. We'll have some best of shows over the holiday. We'll have to work those out. But uh, we'll be pl- replaying some of our best interviews from the year on our best of uh, Poker Action Line shows that run the last couple of weeks of the season. Thanks for being with us tonight. We hope you'll uh, be back next week for another edition of Poker Action Line.